Okay. No, I think it's from American Eagle. All right, now that the recording has started, I'll just... We're awfully chatty today. Awfully chatty. Yeah. All right, so kind of circling back because I forgot to start the recording. I'm going to just like say what I said over again, but we're talking about the prosperity gospel. And some of you guys have heard about the prosperity gospel. Some of you haven't. That's okay. Um, so the prosperity gospel is a term given to any teaching that claims that Jesus Christ and believing in Jesus will make the believer happy, healthy, and wealthy. Um, so that is the basis, that is the core of their teaching, happy, healthy, wealthy. Um, this teaching promises that if you just believe enough, if you have enough faith, then anything that you want can kind of become a reality. So if you just believe enough, you will never get sick. If you just have enough faith, you will make a lot of money, you will get your dream car, you will get your dream house, you will get the guy of your dreams if everything, if you just believe. Um, kind of sounds like Disney. If you just believe. Um, it's a little different than other religions that we've talked about. So we've talked about Catholicism, we've talked about Mormonism. Um, the prosperity gospel isn't exactly a religion, it's just a theology. It's a way of thinking about God, it's a way of thinking about the Bible. Um, and it has a tendency to kind of find its way into our churches and into our teaching and um, kind of the way that people think about God. Um, and so I have a feeling that after today, you guys are going to be more aware of like ways the prosperity gospel kind of like sneaks into social media um, or slips into even the way that you think um, because it's very, very popular. Um, the prosperity gospel is tied to the word of faith movement. Um, so there's a lot of famous teachers and pastors um, that have... Um, that are called word of faith ministers or word of faith pastors. And they lead really large mega churches. And one of the leaders of this movement is Kenneth Hagin. So this quote is in your guys' packet on the last page. But Hagin states that this is kind of the purpose of the word of faith movement. He says, Jesus came to redeem us from Satan's power and dominion over us. We are to reign as kings in life. This means that we have dominion over our lives. We are to dominate, not be dominated. Circumstances are not to dominate you. Poverty is not to rule over you and reign over you. You are to reign and rule over poverty. Disease and sickness are not to rule and reign over you. You are to re reign over sickness. We are to reign, at, reign as kings in this life by Jesus Christ in whom we have redemption. All right, so this statement kind of is confusing, right? Because he says a lot about Jesus and he says a lot about how we've conquered a lot of things, right? And that's what the Bible teaches. But what do you think is wrong with this statement? What's wrong with his way of thinking? Every time he says, like, we are to reign as kings in life, mm -hmm. so it's basically saying, like, he's almost like, he keeps, like, contradicting. He's like, it's like, you are the highest power in your life. Yeah. But, like, through Jesus. But, like, you're powerful. It's yeah. It's like, kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of all about man's power. Um, what else? What else stands out to you or that you think might be wrong about this statement that he made. It says like you are to rule and reign over sickness, but you can't help that. Like, yeah. You're not, it's not your job to fix that kind of thing. Hmm. Like it's, it comes onto you without you controlling it. Yeah. It's, some of these things are totally out of our control. Some people are born into poverty. That's out of their control. Um, sometimes people get sick and that's out of their control. Um, but do you guys see how kind of deceptive this statement is? How it's kind of close to the truth, but yet really far away? Um, so that's why this teaching is so prominent in America and all over the world is because it's, 
it's so close to the truth, yet it's so distorted at the same time. And it's something that we want to believe. We want to believe that we have power. We want to believe that we can just believe enough to have like our sicknesses just gone away with and pray enough to make sure that no one in our life is touched by sickness. We want to believe that's true. Um, and so that's why we have to be on guard against this kind of teaching and trust that the true gospel is the only answer for us. Um, and the true joy of like who God is and the true joy found in the gospel goes further and deeper um, than any material thing on this earth or our own health. Um, so yeah, many Christian churches teach the prosperity gospel and might not even realize it. Um, so some of them, and then others of them, realize that they are teaching the prosperity gospel and they're just in it for the money. <laughs> so a lot of these big churches that I'm going to talk about, um, they're huge, very wealthy churches and they get their wealth from telling people if they give enough money to the church, then they will be healed of their sicknesses. They will be um, happy, healthy, wealthy, just if they give money to the church. So there's a lot of corruption, but also if the teaching finds its way into our everyday life. Um, so we're going to be diving into what exactly the prosperity gospel teaches and how to kind of point it out. So we already went over this. God's, their belief is God's aim is to make believers happy, healthy, and wealthy because we are the king's kids. And why wouldn't God, the, our Heavenly Father, want what's very best for us? Um, have you guys ever heard the name Joel Olstein? Yes. Yes. Okay, so he's a well-known pastor who preaches the prosperity gospel. And this is kind of his um, view on how this gospel can impact your life. He says, maybe Alzheimer's disease runs in your family genes, but don't succumb to it. Instead, say every day, my mind is alert. I have clarity of thought. I have a good memory. Every cell in my body is increasing and getting healthier. If you'll rise up in your authority, you can be the one to put a stop to the negative things in your family line. Start boldly declaring, God is restoring health onto me. I'm getting better every day in every way. So, like, maybe. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like when people are like, like try to like manifest yes. stuff. Well, manif 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 whatever. manifestation. Yeah, manifestation is part of the prosperity gospel. Oh. Yeah. So, kind of like speaking things into existence is the core, is one of the core things of the prosperity gospel. Mm. So, basically, like Macy said, it gives man all the power. Man has the power to change reality, um, man has the power to overcome whatever is put in their way. Um, and by simply speaking things into existence, believing enough, saying it enough, you are changing your own reality, um, which is not true. Um, so we're kind of going to go through it the same way that we've gone through Catholicism and Mormonism, just box by box. Um, so what Prosperity Gospel says about God? Um, they say God is our Heavenly Father who wants His children to be happy, healthy, and wealthy, and have lots of money. <laughs> um, why would a good father want anything but the best for his children? Um, and they also don't really believe in the Trinity. They'll say, like, um, they'll kind of, like, work their way around it. They'll kind of split the Trinity into two, into three parts. And we know that that's a heresy. They all have to be one at the same time. T.D. Jakes, a word of faith teacher, states, There is one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect and eternally existing in three manifestations. So because he says three manifestations, this is why it's a heresy. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, this is close to the truth, but it's not the truth because they're not three parts, they're three in one. And that's always confusing because the Trinity is confusing, but if you don't have the Trinity down, then everything else is going to kind of fall apart. Um, so on the true gospel side, the Bible teaches that God is the creator of all things, holy, perfect, and all things exist to bring glory to him alone. Uh, the true gospel teaches that God created man to be good, 
but man turned against God and brought sin into the world. This means that man is unable to be in relationship with God because of our sin. It separates us from him. But God, in his infinite love towards us, sent his son to die in order that we might live. He becomes everything and we become less. Um, we lay our life down the day we accept Jesus as our Savior. So how is this totally different than what the prosperity gospel teaches about God? Sorry, that was a lot. I know you guys are writing. <laughs> yeah, you're like, ah. Yeah. What are some differences you see in how they view God and how we view God? Or how we should view God? I feel like they're looking to God to, like, give them, like, possessions. Mm -hmm. And we're looking to God to give us, like, eternal life. Yeah. What's better? Um, eternal, <laughs> eternal life. Yeah. 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 But in sometimes in our in our perspective here on this earth, the material possessions and our health and our um, how much money we have, that seems like such a big deal to us. So that's why it's so easy for people to fall into this kind of thinking because they have their they're looking at God through like worldly glasses where they see God as only a means of getting them what they want this right now without even considering that God offers them eternal life which is going to be 10 times better than having a Ferrari or even having good health um so yeah the Bible teaches that God does want what's best for his children his love for us is unimaginable it spreads as far as the east is from the west but the best for us is to be in relationship with God and to be obedient to him um, and through Jesus, we are able to do this. So we think that sometimes the best for us is to be super healthy and to um, never have to go through any trials. But God actually says, no, I think what's best for you and I know what's best for you is to be in a relationship with me, um, even if you have to go through trials on this earth. Um, so yeah, the prosperity gospel kind of distorts a view on God. Well, in, in James, doesn't that say, I consider all joy when you go through trials? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prosperity gospel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's a blessing to go through trials, and then the prosperity gospel says, "Well, believe in this, and you won't go through trials." Do they just like skip those verses in the Bible? They take a lot now of I'm verses. Curious. Yeah, they take a lot of verses out of context. So bummer. yeah, they bummer. <laughs> That's usually what happens <laughs> out of yeah. out of context verses. But yeah, we'll go into that more too because there's like a few verses in particular they take out of context. Um, that we are going to put back into context. Ooh, so that's nice. going to be fun. <laughs> um, Alright, so moving on to man. Uh, the <coughs> prosperity gospel teaches that man has power. Man has spiritual power to manipulate reality. And this is often, call, often called the power of positive thinking. Have you guys ever heard oh, of Pots that? Oh, Potts always says that. Like, like, like makes fun of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, Joel so Osteen like, actually... It's about the power of <laughs> yeah. Joel Olstein actually wrote a book on the power of positive thinking and um, mm -hmm. how powerful it is to just think positive. Um, so I'm assuming you guys have heard this statement before, power of positive thinking. Yeah. yeah. What about the statement, name it and claim it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or speak it into your life and it'll exist. Like, yeah. Speak that truth. Speak it into your life. Yeah. These teaching, these phrases um, are just linked directly back to the prosperity gospel. Um, so they, it's kind of this thinking of like, you want a new car? Speak it into existence. Think about it every day. Say into the world, I will get a new car. I will have enough money to get a new car and it'll, it'll happen. It'll come into reality. Manifest it until it becomes a reality. Um, or it could even go on the other side. Like, is your dad sick? Well, just believe enough, just pray enough and he will be healed. 
Um, so why would it be why would it be dangerous to put man's desires at the center of everything? Like whatever you want, you get if you just believe it enough. Why would that be a dangerous way of thinking? It's like too much power. Yeah. Like not only are they being like happy, healthy, and wealthy, mm-hmm. but they are also getting all the power that they want because they think that they are like above what God's plan is, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. if God's plan is different, though they think that they can just say like, "Oh, I want this," mm-hmm. and if I speak it enough, then it'll happen. Yeah. This is what I want, not what God wants. Yeah. I'm sure it's very like discouraging for a lot of them because like. They're just trying to, like, speak into existence being in your car, and then they don't. They're like, oh, I guess God doesn't love me. Right. You know, like, I guess I guess I have to try harder hmm. or, like, believe more. Right. Believe more. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it all, it all goes back to, like, if God doesn't give them what they want, then that changes their view on God. Yeah. Um, well, that puts their focus off of God, mm-hmm. right? So initially it might be like i want these things that i can give back to god right but then you get into this like manifestation thing so much and then that's what you focus on and that's what you think about and it's not god it's about positive thinking towards mm-hmm. your car and whatever and it's good to have goals right yeah. we should have goals right but if that becomes everything about us yeah then god gets pushed to the side right yeah yeah so this teaching places man at the center and makes the most important thing the desires of man's heart. Um, and it is dangerous when we do that, like we talked about. Um, and so everything is about man's words. Man has the power with his words to speak things into existence. So thinking back to the true gospel, how did God create the, word, the world? By speaking it into existence. By speaking it into existence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Looking back to Genesis 1, you will see that every single thing that God says, he says, it's, it, says, it says, like, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God is the only person, and he's not even a person, God is the only, like, power that could speak anything into existence. And through his words, he created this entire world, and through his words, he holds it all together. Um, and so a major issue with the prosperity gospel is that it belittles the power of God because it places that power on man, and that's, if we are the creator, the creation, right? We're the creation. He's the creator. Um, those roles should never be flipped because then everything just kind of falls to pieces. Um, and also, the Bible is very clear that we as human beings are weak, helpless, sinful without Jesus Christ as our Savior. Romans 5, 6 through 8, 6 through 8 says um, that we are weak and helpless. Christ died, and that's why Christ died for us. He shows his love for us that while we were still, still sinners, Christ died for us. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says that while we are weak, he is strong. Paul actually says that we should boast in our weaknesses um, because that just shows how powerful God is. So therefore, the prosperity gospel not only doesn't do God justice, but it belittles the power of God. It doesn't even really take it into consideration because it just says that man has all the power. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, what a bummer. They're missing out on the, the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Only God has the power to speak life through his words. All right. I feel like I'm flying. Um, so moving on to health and wealth, which is the very central of the prosperity gospel, right? Happy, healthy, wealthy. That is what they like will chant forever. Um, health and wealth is what the 
prosperity gospel is all about. Um, the, move of, the word of faith movement or the prosperity gospel promises that through faith we will find financial success, healing from sicknesses or disabilities. Um, I've seen videos of people with um, like sicknesses where like they are crippled like from birth and they go to these word of faith healers and they say, well, oh, if you just believe enough, you'll be able to walk. Um, when they're when they have not been able to walk since birth and not saying that God won't be able to heal them but what if that's not God's will and what if that's not if, if they just believe enough what if it never happens it's just this endless cycle um, so prosperity gospel teachers will tell you do not claim the fa like the flu over your life like if you like oh I can't come to church today I have the flu they'll be like oh don't say that don't claim it to your life like speak health into your life speak like healing into your life oh isn't it like that? You listen to that podcast in mm -hmm. the car, and they're like the two, like the, the couple, and they're like, Oh, I'm sick. Oh, don't say you're sick. Yeah. You're not sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll say, like, Don't claim sickness. You should never be sick. God doesn't want you to be sick. Don't think about sickness. And if you feel like you have the flu, just tell yourself you don't have the flu. Um, but newsflash when we have the flu, we have the flu, and there's <laughs> no getting away from it. Um, so this comes from the teaching of T Kenneth Hagin, which says, um, I believe that it is the plan of God our Father that no believer should ever be sick. And I say that, and I say it boldly. It is not the will of God that my Father, not the will of God my Father that we should suffer from cancer or dread diseases which bring pain and anguish. No, it is God's will that you will be healed. Um, and this is hard because it, God is a God of love, right? He, he desires for us to know him and to... And to not, um, to not doubt him. So how do we, how do we kind of fight back against this thinking that says, well, if God was a God, He wouldn't allow like us to be sick or to get cancer. Or, like how do we, how do we rationalize with that kind of thinking? It's kind of like the whole like, um, like people will struggle with like why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. It's like the same thing, and it's like. It's not like God's doing it. It's yeah. like he's just not stopping it. Yeah. But he knows that something good will come out of it. It's not just going to be like pain for no reason. Right. Yeah. Have any of you guys had people in your life or even yourself suffer from really intense sicknesses? If you were not as strong as your in your faith, do you think that you would have believed like someone like Kenneth Hagin who said that if you just have enough faith, then your per like that person will be healed? Does it sound kind of like tempting to believe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of going back, it just leads that person down a path that is not good because what if their dad doesn't get healed of cancer and what if he passes away? Is That's going to change their reality, their, change their view on who God is because God is no longer a God who's on their side. Um, so yeah, let's look into what the true gospel has to say about health and wealth and all those things. So, can someone turn to Matthew 16, Matthew 19, sorry, Matthew 19, 16 through 30. And then I need another person to do Matthew 6, 19 through 24. I can do Matthew 19. Okay, thanks. Uh, Matthew 19, 16 through 30. Who wants to do Matthew 6, 19 through 24? All right, and then who wants to do 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19? I can do that one. Awesome. Thank you. Alright, um, Maddie, do you have Matthew 19? Yep. Okay. 16 yeah, 16 to 30. Yeah. It's a big section. Just then, someone came up and asked him, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? 
Why do you ask me about what is good? He said to them, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He asked him. Jesus answered, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have kept all of these. The young, I have kept all of these. The young man told him, What, what do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, Jesus said to him, Go sell your belongings and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, then come, follow me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly astonished and, and asked, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter responded to him, See, we have left everything and followed you, so what will be there for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, or father or mother or children, or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. All right. Thanks for reading that a lot. So this is the story of the rich young man who wants to follow Jesus but can't because he doesn't want to leave behind his possessions. So what does this passage um, reveal to us about how Jesus thinks about our health and our wealth and our possessions? opposite yeah. it's saying store up your treasures on earth yeah what does Jesus tell this man that he needs to do with his possessions leave them all leave them all so why would like Jesus says that in order to follow him we need to leave everything behind so the prosperity gospel makes no sense because it says follow Jesus and he will give you your possessions but if you look at the Bible it says Jesus actually says no put me above your possessions leave it all behind so therefore, Jesus isn't going to really give us possessions if he asks them to leave us behind. He's going to bless us. He's going to give us things we don't deserve. But those things should never take his place. Um, yeah, do you guys see anything else in this passage that gives us kind of an idea of how Jesus thinks about our possessions and our wealth? Um, the first will be last and the last will be first. Yeah. So it's almost like saying like the most prosperous, the most wealthy, mm -hmm. the most successful will be last. Yeah. And then there's the people that Left everything behind would be first. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's okay to have possessions. Oh, for but sure. But like you said, if we put all our if we put all our stock in him, mm -hmm. they take the place of God. Yeah. So like where it says many who are first, right? I don't think if you have a big house, you're automatically gonna be last, mm -hmm. right? If you use your house to host small groups and whatever and you use it to give back to what the Lord has given you, mm -hmm. then great, right? I don't think it's bad to have possessions. It's put everything you are into him. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Right. 
or to just use Jesus as a way to get those possessions yes. too. Yeah. 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 Um, who's who uh, said they would read Matthew six nineteen through twenty four? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For your treasure, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Awesome. So it's kind of going off what we said the, um, about storing up our treasures, whether in heaven or on, um, on earth. Why, what kind of things store up our treasures in heaven? giving away what we have yeah what else what what else is a way to store up a treasure in heaven I think just using whatever God has already given us Mm -hmm. to serve him um, instead of like continuing to like ask more from God yeah 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 to use our gifts that he has given us because yeah, he has blessed us so much with everything. Um, and our biggest blessing is just knowing him and knowing Jesus Christ and knowing where we're going to go when we die. Um, and I think one of the greatest things ever is watching someone dedicate their life to Christ and knowing they're going to be in heaven. And so like, when you make an investment to share the gospel with someone or to witness to someone, you are storing up treasures in heaven because maybe that person is going to be in heaven one day. And that is the greatest joy that will ever happen um, and the greatest treasure um, who is reading First Peter 4? Me. All right, go for it, uh, what are the, what are the um, 12 through 19. Okay. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fire tri- trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Awesome. Thanks, Mace. Um, so what does, this, what does this passage say about our reaction to suffering? I think it's funny how it says, like, don't be ashamed if, like, your, like, Christian brother is, like, going through trials. Hmm. I feel like that, like, totally opposes, like, the prosperity gospel. Yeah. Like, how you're saying, like, oh, like, if you're sick, like, you're not sick. God doesn't want you to be sick. You're yeah. not sick. Say you're not sick. But, like, here it says, like, oh, don't be ashamed if you're going through trials. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like how it comes. Yeah. And it's how God grows us. And 
we live in a sinful world and it's just the reality yeah mm-hmm. yeah he's like don't be surprised don't be like oh my gosh what a hard time of my life what when yeah. god literally says in his word you're going to have a hard life it's going to be hard but i'm good in it yeah it's kind of like it was um i feel like if you are part of a group that believes in the prosperity gospel then if you get sick then people probably just come to the hospital and be like, well, you just need to, like, believe more. Right. And, like, kind of maybe, like, even ostracize, like, oh, they don't have a strong enough faith to not become sick. Yeah. And that would be shameful if that's what you believe. Mm. You'd be like, oh, I'm so ashamed because I didn't have enough faith and everyone else does. Right. But, like, this is saying, no, don't be ashamed. It's not, um, it's not about how much faith you have. Mm. It's just about what happens to people and it's normal. Yeah. And there's going to be brokenness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, when whenever we comfort our friends that are going through trials, or whenever we want to be comforted, comforted, we don't want to hear, oh, just believe more. Mm-hmm. Just, if only you had more faith, this wouldn't be on you. Um, we want to be comforted with the words of God, which actually brings true and lasting comfort to us. Um, was Jesus rich? Yeah. No. Um, did any of his disciples die wealthy? No. Did any of his disciples even die like peaceful deaths, like in their sleep? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, those of you guys, the girls who have studied First Peter, how did Peter die? Do you guys remember? He was yeah. Upside down. Yeah. Peter was crucified upside down on a cross by Nero, which is even worse than how Jesus died. Um, yeah. There's actually not any of the disciples died. They all died um, because they loved Jesus and they died horrible deaths. So the prosperity gospel never teaches that. It never says if you follow Jesus, you might lose your life. Um, like we see like these like encouraging Bible verses on like coffee cups that like, you know, say like God's plan is like the best plan or like um, I know the plans I have for you. But it, it never puts like take up your cross daily like that yeah. verse like that. You're never going to find that on like a coffee cup. Um, but that's what the true gospel is. It's laying ourselves down. It's laying our lives down and saying Jesus is everything now. Like, we should make coffee cups that say, like, die to self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, serve others. <laughs> coffee cups. Yeah. Oh, we should. Yeah, we can even make it, like, super, like, the artsy, like, look, and it's, like... <laughs> it's, like, all colorful. It's, like, flowers. Yeah, the gospel teaches us something that's so contrary to culture. It's different than everything we hear. It's different than what the world is going to tell us. Um, and it tells us that our joy is found in Jesus alone. No material wealth um, will ever satisfy us. Um, and also, God, like Jesus loves the poor in spirit. In Matthew 5, 3, he says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. They will inherit the kingdom of God. So God loves a humble and contrite heart. That's what he desires. He wants our hearts to cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you. I am helpless. I am weak. Um, but I know you are strong. And that's where we're going to find our greatest confidence and our greatest joy and our greatest peace is just by saying, I am helpless without the Lord. Um, he's our creator and king, and he loves us so much. Um, he is worthy of all our praise, honor, and glory. Um, and nothing in this life can ever compare to him. Um, so yeah, this is, this is going to be a longer part, but I'll try to speed through it. This is the when it comes to scripture, a lot of the world word of faith movement just takes things out of context. Um, so one example is 1 Peter 2, 24. Um, so go ahead and flip with me to 1 Peter 2, 24. And this is a verse they will point to to say that Jesus will heal you of everything if you just believe. So 
First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins on his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. <clears throat> by his wounds you have been healed. So they take that part that says, by his wounds you have been healed, to say that because he died for you, you are healed of all your sickness, all your disabilities, every everything. You should have no sickness. So what does this verse actually say? Like if we look at the greater context, what... What is it saying? Is it talking about our physical health? It's talking about Jesus, the Lord saving us from yeah. salvation, not our physical health. Yeah. Yeah. Our greatest sickness is our sin. And by his wounds, our sins are forgiven. Not by his wounds, I won't have the flu anymore. <coughs> um, so, yeah, they kind of take that verse and just completely take it out. Because of his wounds, you have no wounds. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, another verse taken out of context is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I, I, I just said this verse. Um, <coughs> I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, um, not to harm you. Have you guys heard that verse before? Yes. It's an amazing verse. It, it's like the greatest promise because God's plans are not to uh, hurt us. Let me it. Um, yeah, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Um, does anyone re- know what, like, when Jer- the book of Jeremiah was written and who it was written to? Wasn't it written to, like, a, like a young prophet or something? Yeah. The, um, a young prophet named Jeremiah wrote this. Yeah. And who was he prophesying to? Do you remember? He was prophesying to the nation of Israel. They're about to go into exile because they sinned against the Lord and that God is going to bring them into Babylon. Um, and they're going to be slaves for a very long time. So right before they go into slavery for their sin, as punishment for their sin, this is when God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Um, So they're about to suffer, but in their suffering, God is like, but I'm still God. I'm still going to protect you and care for you. My plan is greater, even if right now it seems like it's terrible. Um, So now that we have that kind of context and consideration, it kind of, it totally changes the way we view this verse, right? Because it's, it's telling us that we're going to suffer, but in the suffering, God is good. Um, yeah, and one last passage. James 5, 10 through 18. Um, um, actually, it's just 13 through um, 20. I will read this for us. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man of of a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. All right, what part of this passage do you think that the prosperity gospel kind of hones into? I think when it says, like, that Elijah, like, prayed for it not to rain, like, a lot, like, how, like, the prosperity people mm-hmm. say that, like, if you prayed over and over again, they'll probably get it, and then, like, it said that it did happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so they're like, if you just keep praying, it'll happen. 
Yeah. What else do you think they kind of look at? They look at that and they're like, okay, if I just have enough faith, then I can heal anyone who's sick with my prayers. Um, but we've looked at this passage before, right? When we studied um, fervent prayer. Do you guys remember that week where we looked at um, the prophet Elijah? And What was it about Elijah's prayers that were like, how did Elijah pray? Do you guys remember? Did he pray for God's will? Yeah, he prayed for God's will. And he was fervent in his prayers. He prayed with passion, and he believes that God could do it. But at the end of the day, he gave, like, he's like, but God, your will be done. Um, so when it comes to our prayers, how should our prayers be towards the Lord? I think God wants us to, like, be honest with him about what we want. He doesn't want us to, like, hold anything back. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't want us to think that whatever we ask him, he will immediately give to us. Yeah. He wants us to understand that, like, he does have a higher power, um, and whatever he wants, he will do it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that could be what we want, mm-hmm. but also it could be something that we don't want. Yeah. But either way, <coughs> he knows what's best. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like how like we we could tell him what we want, and but he might just give it to us in like a different way, mm-hmm. or after a very long amount of time. Right. Or yeah, yeah. just like just not what we would expect. Mm-hmm. Like, I want this like in this certain way, and they're like, "Well, actually, in five years, this is gonna happen." And yeah. like, it has to be your prayer, but not what you thought. You know? <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His ways are always different than ours. Yeah. So, are our prayers powerful when they're just based on our desires? No. When are when are our prayers powerful? The only reason our prayers are powerful is when they are aligned with the will of God. And we recognize that he's greater than us, more powerful than us, and that his ways are not our our ways. Um, That's the only reason our prayers have power is because they're just tied to him. Because he's all-powerful and we are weak. Um, So yeah, and this last part, salvation, um, I'll let you guys kind of put together what they think about salvation. Kind of all kind of comes to a conclusion in this. but what does believing in Jesus do for the one that believes in the prosperity gospel? What do they think it'll do for them? Make them prosperous. Yes, make them prosperous. What do we believe that Jesus does for us? Covers all of our sins. Yes, yeah, totally different, right? We view Jesus as our savior for our sin. They view Jesus as a means to get what they want or to get what they think that they want. Um, but the true gospel offers forgiveness. It's from like they see Jesus as like Santa. Yeah, 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 that's a good way to put it. Jesus is our savior, Jesus is their Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the greatest way that's to put fantastic. it. fantastic. Yeah, they, they just view him as a means to what they want to get. Um, but when we truly have a relationship with Jesus, he is just, he's our savior, he's our friend, he's our God, he's our Lord. Um, so yeah, the prosperity gospel minimizes the, the power of the gospel. It belittles and distorts it. Um, it uses Jesus Christ as a temporary earthly blessing, um, and then, yeah, it just, it totally distorts what the meaning of the gospel truly is. Um, I have a lot more written down, but I'm going to just kind of fly through it. So, what are some of the dangers of believing in the prosperity gospel? You're just lying to yourself. Yeah. Like, everything they do is based on lies. Mm-hmm. 
Constant disappointment. Yeah. Believing the lie. The disappointment of you're setting expectations on God, like you expect him yeah. to give you well, you expect him to give you well. Hmm. Yeah, disappointment and constant discontentment, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so easy to feel like um, higher up. Mm-hmm. Or like when other people are suffering, you look down on them. Yeah. They're, you're like, I'm not suffering, but they are. So I have enough faith, and they don't. Yeah. yeah. I think it also like keeps you from being thankful for what you do have, because like, your whole religion is like based on like getting stuff and getting whatever you want. But if God has already given you a bunch of like stuff that you didn't really deserve in the first place, then you're not really being thankful for that. Yeah, 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 so true. Why do you guys think it's so easy to believe? Why do so many people fall into this teaching? Because it's more appealing. Like, it's just more appealing to what you want. Yeah. It's like easier to hear. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, everyone struggles with something, mm-hmm. um, and kind of what Julia was saying, like, it's just, it, if you, people just say, like, oh, believe more, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 But that's not. Yeah. It appeals to our flesh. Right. It's <clears throat> like, it gives what the flesh wants if you just believe, which is what we think that we can do anything, right. and we want everything that we want. It's also all the right words. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you look at the quotes and stuff back here, a lot of it is the right words. Mm-hmm. They're just, like, a wrong order. Yeah. So, if you don't know what Christianity is about, if you really don't know what Jesus is about, that looks pretty good to you, right? Like, yeah. it looks it looks appealing. Like, Julia and Maddie said, like, sounds good. Yeah. All I have to do is believe. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I can do that. Right. Christianity, here we go. Yeah. Which is why a lot of new believers fall for this kind of teaching, because... It just sounds right. It sounds good. Um, and they kind of it just... Well, and it's not, like, Mormonism, right? There's, like, mm-hmm. planets and, like, different yeah. levels. Like, it's you can look weird. at that and be like, okay, that's a little strange to me. But this is based in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's got, like, it's got all the right words. And it's got all the things that sound good. Yeah. And it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so is the term, like, prosperity gospel, is that something that, like, they made up or like we made up? We made up. Okay. And we kind of put like talk about them. Yeah. I don't think okay. they would say like, oh, we teach the prosperity gospel. Right. They just like, like, we, teach the, we teach the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them just consider themselves Christian churches. So mm-hmm. there's a few churches even in our area that teach this very like, like, and they might not even realize they're teaching it um, because it's just so sneaky. Um, have you guys seen ways that maybe it sneaks into like your own thoughts towards God? Or, like, have you heard this teaching before in other churches you've gone to or see it in your friends? I think you see it on all of your social media. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, like, this message is the message that people pull out of the Bible or whatever and put on social media. Mm -hmm. It's not, like, dying to myself, whatever. It's like, you know, I believe God will get me through this. And I I don't mean that in the God will get me through this trial because, like, I pray that too, like, God, just get me through this because I can't do it. But, like, God will fix this for me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm not doing a very good job of distinguishing, but you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Kind of like you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, we should be putting, like, our worries and everything on God, but... Right, right. Like, we have a part in it, too. Like, Mm -hmm. we have to do our part. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or, 
like so many people I know, they're like, I'm just gonna manifest it and it will happen. Mm-hmm. I don't. It doesn't work that way. You yeah. can set a goal and go for it. Yeah. But, but like making a manifestation goal. board, like. Yeah. I. Well, and it's difficult because sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to put all my goals in one place because I can't keep track of them, and so I like hmm. put them in a list or whatever. But there's a there's a difference between believing that doing that will manifest those things in your life. Like right. if we want a new car, right? I'm gonna put a picture of perfect minivan on a board and look at it every day and like go find it. It's like, what? yeah, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. It's just like you're. It's just like an idol, just like in the Old Testament yes. when they would put idols in the middle yes. of their house and bow down to them and pray for like rain and. That's like food. It it's the like putting an idol and a goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're putting your minivan. There's a fine line. No one should idolize a minivan. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're so cool. Yeah. Idols and all. Idols and all of this. I like minivans. That's what it is. Yeah. You put the things you want in front of yourself, right? So it's like instead of putting post-it notes with our favorite verses all over our mirrors, mm-hmm. you put. New car, yeah. New job, cool husband. Like you mm-hmm. put this, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The biggest quality I'm looking for is cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's gotta be cool. It just doesn't. I like she's cool. Just yeah, it, it doesn't. But the thing is, we're if we're not careful, um, we will fall into this same thinking. Yeah. It's because it's so tempting. It's, so it's very sneaky. So we have to be like on guard against it. The Bible tells us to be on guard against teaching. The devil doesn't make himself obvious to us. He likes to blend in and he likes to kind of sneak his way around and find ways to get into all, like get in the way of us viewing the true gospel. Um, so we have to just be on guard. Um, so I wrote down three things, um, according to David Plath, um, of how to share the true gospel with someone who believes in the prosperity gospel. So number one, proclaim that the gospel is the answer to our deepest need, which is our sin. Um, Our biggest sickness is our sin. Um, Number two, show the gospel in the way that you use your possessions. So um, bring glory to God in the way you use your possessions. And when when you lose your possessions or you wreck your car, um, show that it's not the end of your life because it's just a car. Um, And then worship God as the end, not as the means to the end. So yeah, these three things are great to keep in mind as we just witness to our friends. Um, So yeah, the true gospel is not always what the the world wants to hear. Um, Sometimes when I share the gospel with someone, I think they are going to hate me because it's just not not what you want to tell someone. You are a sinner and you need Jesus. Um, But the true gospel is beautiful, it's powerful, it's the only thing that's going to save us and help us and um, the one thing that's going to bring us true and lasting life. Um, our greatest issue is not our illnesses, it's not the lack of money we have, the fact that we don't have a minivan, the fact that we don't have a dream husband. Our biggest issue is our sin, and Jesus Christ saves us from our sin, and that's the only answer to it, all our problems. Um, so no other ma- message will change us, fulfill us, or sustain us, or give us eternal life. Um, yeah, that's all. Any questions, comments, concerns? All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll get ready for... Four hour meeting. <laughs> I'll get ready for the four hour meeting. <laughs> um, uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. Um, thank you for bringing us all back safely from spring break and just giving us some time to rest and be with friends and family. Lord, we praise you um, for the true gospel this morning, God. The fact that in your love you saw us um, helpless and 
sinful and weak, and you sent your son to die for us, Lord, and who willingly died and bore our sins so that um, we don't have to experience your wrath, Lord. That is the greatest blessing um, and the only thing um, that is worth living our lives for. And God, I just pray for all these women that are here. God, I... Um, I admire them so much for their willingness to learn and their willingness to share the gospel with their friends. Would you just be with them? Um, help them discern truth from a lie and help them boldly proclaim your gospel to their friends and to their family, God. Um, would you help us all grow in knowledge of you, God, and just trust you in all we do. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.